Welcome to the Purpose Dead Leadership Podcast. This episode is slightly different. The guest is myself. I wanted to come on and do an episode dedicated to myself and my own story. So here goes. I was born in a caravan in a place called Burnham, which is near Slough. Um, I distinctly recall being told, although I do have vague memories. Um, so my foster mum told me this. Um, when I was two uh, and my brother was three, um, my dad came home from work. He used to work the nights on the railway, on the buses, on the buses at the time, actually. And uh, I was handing out uh, the caravan window naked and my brother was there and he raided the fridge and was sick everywhere. Um, so my dad came home from work and my mum had abandoned us and she left us there overnight. Um, and that was the last I saw of her um, ever since, although I have met her recently, which I'll tell you about in a minute later on in the podcast um so my dad at the time wasn't emotionally capable intelligent enough uh emotionally intelligent enough um financially uh, or just ready really to, to to take on two you know young children um so i was fostered for four years and that gave me the first real semblance of a family life um and i still speak to my foster mum today um, but at the age of seven, my dad felt ready and able to take us back and look after us. So we moved into a council flat with him. He used to work on the railways. So I remember getting up at five, six o'clock in the morning and walking to the railway station with him, going to work and then going to school myself, walking to school myself. Um, so, you know, from a very young age, um, had a very uh, good work ethic, really, or work was instilled in me or, you know, having to having to make an effort to achieve something was in a way a good, a good thing for me. Um, so uh, then my dad uh, remarried and um, uh, that individual, his, his wife um, abused me quite a lot, actually um, physically, mentally um, was you know, stopped seeing my friends and um, you know, various different aspects of, of, of abuse and uh so the, f- the first two um female figures in my life were not great role models and it really fucked me up it fucked me up mentally uh emotionally uh i felt very shy very inferior very unworthy um just very different to everyone else and you know we had no money at all and you know I was called a pikey at, at, at uh, primary school and uh, often was, you know, I had free school dinners as well. Um, so I kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I just felt very different and very kind of, uh, you know, wanted to be on my own quite a lot, really, because um, I, I didn't feel I was I was worthy enough to be part of any, any group. Um, but I managed to uh, somehow go to a grammar school, which I think really saved me a lot in many respects because the area we lived in wasn't particularly great. And the secondary school was very rough. <laughs> so I'm pleased that I went to the grammar school, although I, I really did not like school. I was excruciatingly shy um, in the English classes. I would I would go red if I had to read out anything or, or avoid it or call in sick. And, you know, just I just I just had no confidence whatsoever. Um but uh, managed to get four GCSE C grades. The rest were kind of E's and F's, um, uh, which was enough to get me into college. I did a BTEC business and finance, and then I went on to do a degree actually in business and finance um, whilst working at 
S3. Uh, S3, I joined them uh, in 1998 um, as a 21, 22-year-old. Um, again, very shy. Um, uh, walking into this, this this hardcore sales environment was 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 an eye opener. Actually, I remember the, distinctly remember the buzz and the the atmosphere there was was electric. Although it was quite domineering, I'd say. You know, people standing up with their pinstripe suits on the phone, an archetypal old school boiler room type thing, Ferraris and you know shiny shoes. It was it was it was not what you think I'd go for but from a very very young age I've always wanted to run my own business and I know I always wanted to do that and I always knew I could I think literally from my first memory I've always had a moment in my mind where I just thought I'm gonna be a business owner business leader um so in that environment I very quickly became the UK top bidder and the worldwide top bidder and over the course of five years there um I made that business 15 million pounds with my team as well went my way up to various different levels and it was a great learning curve for me and I, and I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, I left there in 2003, set up my own business um, and got that to nearly 100 staff, over £25 million turnover, um, seven-figure EBITDA, three offices, 14 industry awards. So we won awards for um, our profitability and our growth. Three Virgin Fashat 100 awards in a row, which is brilliant. I've um, been very proud of that and having lunch with Richard Branson and um, thinking back that, you know, they were good moments. Um, also, um, we're the second fastest growing recruitment company in the UK. Um, uh, you kind of, I think we won about 11 awards in the space of three years. You know, there was a really, really fierce growth period. Um, and then also awards for our culture. So three, three star best company awards in a row um and it's it's hard to get these best company awards because to get to get three stars is is, is very difficult to get three in a row is another level um we're the second greatest company to work for in europe as well which is a, a bit of an accolade um so very very pleased with with that um and, it, and to this day you know anyone who worked there most people who work there i should say um spoke ex- still speak extremely highly of it that business in terms of it was ahead of its time very very good average fee very very good process very very good clients very very good culture um and you know a lot of the people that worked there have now gone on to uh, build their own businesses very successfully as well uh, i'm very pleased to say so it was it was a, it was a fantastic time and in a nine-year cycle we got it to that level and then um, my business partner wanted to exit, which was fine. Um, so we had to find a vehicle for that uh, to buy him out and buy some people in. Uh, achieved that, um, and uh, I became the CEO of the business. Um, and um, that transaction uh, didn't go to plan in the end, um, and I kind of lost the majority of. The, the business, I lost seven houses, I lost access to my children, uh, I got divorced, lost my family home, which was a six-bedroom mansion with a swimming pool. I lost everything, uh, not just materialistically, financially, but emotionally, mentally. I lost my purpose, lost my identity. And it was a very, very dark time for me where I tried to commit suicide um, at least twice, probably three, to, well, three times actually, minimum. Now I think about it, one time in particular was a time when I've been thinking about suicide for weeks, months, and the intensity of that was building up, building up, and building up. 
And up until a week before I tried to do this, it was just, I was adamant and actually almost excited that I was going to end my life because my existing life was so, at the time, was so terrible. Notwithstanding, I, I fully appreciate that my adversity is nowhere near many, many people's adversity, but it's all relative to, to the individual, right? I, I couldn't carry on anymore. I just, I just felt I wasn't worthy of living, um, you know, bearing in mind, you know, being a, a very successful CEO, a Southwest Entrepreneur of the Year, and to losing it in, in pretty much an instant and having no identity, it kind of really affected me. And um, yeah, uh, so um, on, a, on, on a Sunday, I got into my car and I had planned out this route to a train station that was a reasonable distance away. For some reason, I wanted to go a little bit further out. Um, it was a 25 or 30 minute drive and got in the car and it broke down uh, about halfway there. I remember a guy helping me and, uh, you know, uh, thinking, I wish he knew exactly what I was about to do. Um, but I, it was just a very surreal experience. It was almost like being taken by a hook and being dragged to my death. I just, I just knew it was going to happen and I couldn't wait to do it. There was no real hesitation, actually, to be honest. So I got to the train station and um, knew that there would be high-speed trains running past this platform every 25, 35 minutes, something like that. So I got onto the platform and started sort of checking it out, walking up and down, got a few strange looks, kind of like I was looking over the edge just to, just to check the trajectory of it all. And I think people were sort of wondering, what's this guy going to do? Uh, but I tried to keep a keep it keep it sort of um, covert. <laughs> but um, uh, what was going through my mind is very difficult to explain. Really, I think there's a vacancy, and a, I was very bereft in general, uh, in my heart and my soul. And just you know, I, I've spoken about this before, and a lot of people um, deem suicide or suicide ideation in general as selfish. And I'm sorry, that's just a lack of uh, experience and knowledge and understanding of being in that position. You, don't, you can't judge or describe anyone or anything like that unless you're, you've been in that position yourself. Um, it's, it isn't selfish. It, 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 if anything, your mind tells you and you think that it's, it's selfless because you feel you're such a burden to other people. Um, until you understand that, you know, you should, I don't think you should really comment personally. Um, you know, I, I, I've got young children and I'm very, very, very aware of the impact of, of, of me leaving uh, would, 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 um, would, would, would cause. And anyone who knows me knows, if you look at my Instagram, my Facebook, you know, or anyone who knows me, you know, I'm, I love my kids, obviously. And um, it has to be something really fucking intense, right? To want to end your life when you've when you're when you're a parent or end your life anyway. So, um, it was a real real dark moment. Um, so, um, the train, the high street, the high speed train started to come. I could I looked looked in distance. All right, this is my this is it. This is this is this is my chance if you like. Um, but then it started to slow down and suddenly slowed down and it stopped at the station. I was like, oh, okay. I remember looking at the train thinking, fuck, that is definitely going to kill me. If I get in front of that, it's just like, it's, it looks massive and really like, oh, I think it's going to be an instant death. So it's almost like, well, okay. Um, 
and then it pulled away and then the next one was due very very soon and i was like getting gearing myself up for it and then i got a phone call and it snapped me back into reality um and i kind of i kind of got back on uh, in, in in the car and drove back and obviously to this day now i'm i'm absolutely delighted <laughs> it's an understatement that i didn't go through with that but um i wanted to share that with you um and talk to you about how that experience affected me um so soon after that um uh, i i got i got divorced um and that enabled me to have some time to myself which really then was the launch pad for me to start looking at things a bit differently and and really start to evaluate myself and for the first time in my life i think i was looking back and going actually chris you're a, f- a fucking good guy you're very successful even even though i got to like 25 million i got to 5 million 10 million 15 million 25 million every time i got there i just i didn't i didn't really feel like it was an achievement so it was almost like nothing i would ever do would would satisfy me you know i had more money than sense back then the millionaire at 27 28 buying 30 grand watches you know three different range rovers holidays cars i could buy whatever i wanted effectively um and i don't think i appreciate that uh, or recognize that and i put all my effort into work and it was a bit like when am i ever going to be satisfied um so um i look back and think whilst whilst those achievements were really good and great and fantastic and phenomenal um i think they were driven by the wrong purpose or not even driven by a purpose they were driven out of kind of shame fear trying to prove myself to somebody probably my mum so in a way what my mum did and what my stepmom did did give me my drive a little bit um and kind of like kind of i kind of said to myself um what have i got to lose you know so in a way i see that as i I do see that now as a gift and um i remember um tracking my mum down as well (laughs) um uh and funnily enough she moved she only lived like uh about a mile away from my old house but um she also moved to bristol which I found out for over, over over a year and a half, and I lived in Bristol and had didn't even you know she never sent me a, never sent a card, never made a phone call, never did anything, never made any effort. So there's me, you know, forty years later, whatever it is, knocking on her door. Hi, mum. Uh, and you know, yeah, she 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 was. Um, I think she was pleased to see me. We had a chat for about an hour, but essentially she said it wasn't anything to do with my dad wasn't his fault she just didn't want the burden of being a mother to me and my brother um which uh which didn't surprise me really but there was no i I felt there was no connection at all actually there was no bond and I, i i'm very pleased that i did actually do that because it kind of drew a final line under it in terms of why i didn't kind of blame myself anymore because naturally you know you you're going to feel a range of emotions when your mum abandons you and doesn't even bother with you and then your dad you know and then you're fostered and you know you, you kind of feel rejected right <laughs> um so uh, she didn't even ask my number when i left i was like okay um so that was that and then um 
I um, took this time out after, you know, losing the business and, and, and the houses and the finances and the identity and the purpose and the confidence. There's a lot of shame around that. So it took me, it took me a while, like five years to kind of like sort of put my head above the parapet, really. So I went, came back onto LinkedIn and then I was asked by uh, a peer in the net, in the in LinkedIn, in my network, a good guy that I know really well. Uh, another coach actually asked me to do a webinar, uh, and I chose on the subject of my choice, and I and I chose vulnerability and leadership, and it went down really well. It was a good webinar actually, and I talked about various aspects of of, of uh, vulnerability, and that kind of gave me um, an idea that and a belief that actually the power of my story. And who I am, I can utilize that because um, A, it's me, and B, I feel there's a lot of broken leadership out there. And the, and the reason why businesses aren't growing are usually because the leader or leaders are not, not just being vulnerable, but they're, they're, they're wearing a mask like I used to do. They're being dictatorial. They're asking people to do things they're not prepared to do themselves and kind of like, so utilizing all my strengths and all my successes on how I built that huge business, but also utilizing where I went wrong. And, you know, I think you can learn more from how not to do things and how to do things as well. So I built uh, over the last three to four years, I've built this very uh, successful, renowned and well-respected NED business. I've got a huge portfolio of clients, and I'm very well referenced now, which I'm very proud to say. So I go into businesses and I help them grow. Um, I help them articulate, draw up and articulate their vision, their mission, their values, their career development plans, their hiring strategy, their talent acquisition, their BD, their networking, their operations, their marketing, um, the whole lot. You know, and I, 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 I think the reason, one of the reasons, other reasons why I'm successful as well is because. I feel I'm quite unique in the marketplace. Like last week, I did a deal. I placed a marketing director myself. So even though uh, I do what I do, I still love doing the doing the do. I think that helps. So you know, last week I was holding a training course or two weeks ago on how to kind of take a job spec spec candidates in, and three days ago I was, I was chairing a board meeting, and four days before that I was doing a complete leadership board restructure and development program. So. You know, um, and I've been there and done it. So, you know, I've, I've built a business from scratch to, to, to sale and uh, I thrive and I get a lot of excitement now. And I feel as if this is a new level for me of not just building and running and selling a big business. I'm now teaching, coaching and mentoring others how to do that as well. And it's through a mixture of my knowledge, my experience, my process, I'm, you know, very process driven, but also, you know, I think my emotional intelligence is, is, is a strength of mine. Born out the fact that I've been through lots of adversity and I've had to tune into my emotions. I think that's helped me enormously get under the skin of people at any level. And instead of going straight in to go, right, this is how we're going to grow the business. I like to get under the skin of the, the individual and find out, you know, what are their pain points, not just in the business, but emotionally as well. And uh, if anyone's listened to my podcast, um, you know, the majority of my guests, you know, feel comfortable in opening up to me. So I think I've got, I've got a, I've got a, what, 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 what my adversity has given me is many gifts around, you know, I feel if, 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 if I'm vulnerable myself or the leader is vulnerable, then 
uh, a it's superpower and b it encourages those around them to be the same that's what you want you don't just want to hear all the good stuff and you know you don't want po toxic positivity either or, but you don't want to be negative but you want to find out what's going on what's going on in your head and your heart and your feelings i think that's really really important um so yeah i mean i, I love what i do uh and i'm also a mental health first aider mental health advocate and, I, and i'm proud i'm proud of who i am so I'm, I'm i'm happier now i'm happier now at 45 living in my two-bedroom apartment on the river than i ever have been with the mansions and the houses and and and, and everything else now why is that it's because for the first time in my life up until i think very recently I can say to myself, I actually love myself. So as an example, um, I've had to rewire myself 35, 40 years of thinking and feeling like I'm a failure, even though I've done all these things. So I've spent a lot of time and money investing into myself, uh, different coaches, different therapy, checking out what I'm absorbing, looking at my diet, looking at my exercise, but looking at what I'm saying to myself as well. So as an example, I've got a whiteboard in my bedroom. It's got my values on there. And one of them is courage and discipline and kindness and empathy. There's eight values. But there's also some, um, some affirmations uh, on there, like I love you, Chris. Smile, eye contact, improve, not impress. Self-respect is self-control. There's, 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 there's lots of positive vibe, positive mind. There's lots of stuff. So as soon as I wake up every, you know, every morning, and before I go to sleep, I'm absorbing that. And it's really helping. I walk and I wake up, I walk into the bathroom. I look into the mirror, I look into my eyes. And I tell myself I love myself. And I connect with myself. And it's so important to do that. Some people listening to this will think, you know, telling yourself you love yourself, isn't that a little bit egotistical? Is I, I, I've been egotistical before. I know what ego is. I know exactly what it is. This isn't ego. This is self-love. This, this is selfless. And it's about finding yourself and loving yourself. And it was only last week I was walking to a client of mine, actually. I've got a, 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 an amazing client in Bristol, unfortunate to say. I've got clients in London. I've got clients in America. I've got clients everywhere. <laughs> but this client in Bristol of mine, I was walking there. It's a sunny day. And I remember this, this feeling of overwhelming joy uh, coming over me, like to the point where I was getting like shivers and goosebumps. And, in a really, and I just felt so much joy and in love for myself. And I was saying to myself, Chris, you've done so well. I love you. I love you, mate. And it, for the first time, um, I knew I was doing this for myself. I wasn't doing it for anyone else. I didn't care what anyone else thought. It's what I thought and felt about myself. And when you get to that feeling, that's success. It's not about the size of your car, your watch, your house, your office. That's all great. It's what you feel about yourself what you think about yourself, the legacy you're leaving on others. And, you know, I, I now try to base all my decisions on my values now. And that, that's, that, that stood me in, in good stead as well. So I think it's, it's taken a while and uh, it's an evolution. And this is why I keep banning on about purpose, how important purpose is. If you haven't got a, 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 a destination or purpose which, which can evolve and move and shake, I don't think you're ever going to be fulfilled. Now, the, the next kind of missing piece in my life is I feel as if um, uh, I'm happy now. I'm really happy. 
but there's a long way to go. There's, you know, I don't think you ever find yourself, but I also feel that I've always had the school of thought that um, you don't need anyone in your life to make yourself happy. And I, I do agree with that to an extent, but I also now know that um, to complete me, um, you know, there is someone out there for me that's going to, uh, tr- you know, um, challenge me and transform my, my world as well. So, you know, but I, I, I don't think I've been ready for that, to be honest, or I've attracted the wrong people in my life. And you are what you think and you feel. And so all the stuff that I've gone through, um, I'm not looking for sympathy. It's not about that, but it's important. It's important to talk about these things. And there's too many people in this world, I think, that don't have a purpose and are going from day to day, week to week, month to month. They might even be earning good money. They might even have a good job. They might have a quite a good marriage or whatever it might be, but there's something missing. And more often than not, it's because they haven't talked about their feelings. They haven't opened up. They haven't, they haven't understood themselves. They don't love themselves enough. Or they don't really know why they're doing what they're doing. You know, some of my clients um, or a lot of my clients and a lot of my customers, you know, after they work with me, they, they, say, they say, wow, you know, what you, you haven't just helped me grow the business. You've helped me grow myself because sometimes they don't even know why they're doing it. And more often than not, it's not about money. It's not about success. It's not about fame. It's about having the freedom to enjoy the passage of time, to spend time with your loved ones. And all the stuff that you do enables that. So, you know, um, I think what happened to me was I, I became rich and successful very, very quickly. And I didn't appreciate money. So I'd get the money and spend it on whatever I wanted. Uh, and that's probably why I lost lost it. I deserve to lose it. So I, th- I think it's about looking inward as well. So we can all sit there and go, this happened to me and that person did this. More often than not, more often than not, even if it's the most heinous thing that's happened to you, to a degree, there's always an element of you are accountable for that. And I, I, I live by that. I live by looking inward and going, what, how does it serve me if everything that goes wrong, you know, I look at that, that per- oh, it's my partner's fault, or she did that, or it was because of that, and he did yeah, but you have to look at yourself as well. And I think that's a massive thing. And more often than not, a lot of people kid themselves about that. And I think deep down, you know, you know whether you're kidding yourself or not. Um, so looking inward is a huge one for me on my, on my whiteboard as well. And uh, all the time, and whenever I start to feel feelings of, oh, that person's really let me down, or that person's been this or that, and I'll, and I'll step back and go, is that really true? They might be going through some stuff themselves or what role did I play? What part did I play in that? You know, did I actually encourage that or was I clear in my communication? It's just like, you know, when you get to that level where just worry about yourself, if everyone swept their own door, that a whole world would be clean. So on the money side of things, um, uh, yeah, I had lots of money, lost it all. And what I'm most proud of now is the reason why, one of the reasons why I'm so happy is I feel I'm being true to myself. I'm being kind and generous to myself and to others. I'm not driven by money. So I went for a period of resenting it because I lost it and thought thinking of people who got money or, you know, they're, they're just out for the money. 
but that was the wrong thinking. It's my relationship with money that I'm proud of now. So I'm now earning very good money again uh, because I deserve to earn the money again because I'm working hard and smart and my experience and knowledge is, is, is delivering those results. But I'm earning the money and I'm thinking, that's great. I'm enjoying the process of receiving that money. So there's a purpose there. And it's, a, it's, it's like I've, I've worked really hard. I get a reward. What am I going to do with it now? Oh, I don't know. I might keep it. I might invest it. I might do something with it. Whereas before, it's like, right, let's go out and buy, buy a car or something like that. And don't get me wrong. I love all that kind of stuff. So what I'm trying to say, I think it's, it's as people, we spend a lot of our time in work and a lot of our time chasing the money and chasing all that kind of stuff. But when you get that, if your reward is, is, is something based on material things all the time, or there's no reason or meaning behind it, you're just going to forever be climbing this icy mountain of, oh, yeah, I've got a fast car, I want a fast one. I've got a nice house, I want a, I want a bigger one. And sometimes it's about experiences and feelings, particularly with the children as well. So um, I think it's important to treat your children, but I prefer to treat them with experiences as well as gifts. And I think it's really important that you drill this into, in, well, I drill this into my children around time is precious and quality time. So, you know, I set myself different goals as well um, in my business, in my personal development, in my health and fitness, in my purpose, in my, in my um, relationships as well. So um, it's about being the CEO of your life, I think. And where I went wrong was I was a CEO of my business, but my life was terrible. So I'm very proud of myself and my story. Um, you know, I've had some tough times. Um, I've had parental alienation. You know, my, my oldest boy, um, Kieran, is now 22. <laughs> uh, I remember being in a, in a pub, actually. Uh, I was in a lock-in, actually. This was 15 years ago, I think now. Um, I hadn't seen him for six months because of the situation uh, and that feeling I've had this a few times it's happened to me that feeling um, will stay with me forever um, not being allowed to see your children is is, is a devastating thing um, and I, t I, t I talk about equity equitable and equality quite a lot and I think there's a lot of injustices in this world. Um, I mean, the recent abortion ruling is is just abhorrent. My my view is that in the round, generally, there's injustices for men and for women. And I'm not going to get into a debate around which one has more or less injustices. But what I will say is that I think curiosity is a superpower. And one of the things I've learned is to open my mind and be able and willing to learn and to listen to people. So having a fixed mindset isn't a good thing. I always believe in growth. I want to grow, I want to learn, I want to develop myself. So I've got a lot of friends now um, that are classes friends, a lot of them from, from LinkedIn, actually. A lot of them are, are female friends uh, and, and male friends. And I think, I think it's really important to, to look at the people around you you know, I've, I've, I've distanced myself from, from some, some of my old friend groups as well because they weren't serving me. And I think it's about having that courage. Courage is a massive thing. If the people around you aren't serving you, 
then you have to look at that. Your clients, your colleagues, your friends, your family, you've only got one life. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's so important. You're only as good as the people around you as well. So I'd like to kind of close on um, thanking everybody for supporting me over the last few years. Listen to some podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. The feedback I've got is amazing. And what's next? Well, I think I'm enjoying um, building my my NED portfolio. Um, that's going to grow and flourish. I know. Um, I'm excited about that and where those businesses can go and what the end goal would be for those businesses and hopefully myself for those businesses as well. Um, you know, I'm hoping going to be doing some TED talks, developing my podcast, but growing myself, enjoying being a father. And just watch this space. Um, yeah, and I think um, I'm really happy with um, and grateful to be given the opportunity to even just talk to you about my story. And I hope, hope it helps one person. And thanks for listening. The Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash chrisoconnell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.